If you're a guest and want to get to know a little bit more about Greenbelt, who we are, or would like a little more information on our newsletter, you can fill out the connection card. I feel very loud right now. There we go. Awesome. Um, fill in as much detail as you're willing to share. And then also, um, as well, if you feel free to download our app and get online. You can follow the sermon on your phone. Or in addition, sharing your faith has never been so easy as to turn your phone on, find our Facebook page, and press share on the Facebook live feed that we send out every weekend. So, um... And that actually is just to help break down some barriers for people that are still trying to figure out church and figure out what it's all about. We love to have them here worshiping with us, but we recognize as well that everybody's at a different place in their journey with Christ. So in just a minute, we're going to be worshiping Jesus together, and I look forward to that. Have a great morning. Good morning, Greenbelt. It is good to see all of you here this morning. If you're watching us on Facebook, welcome to Greenbelt. I want you to stand with me. We're going to worship our Lord, our Savior this morning. We're going to sing at the top of our lungs because he is good. We're going to open up with a, um, with a verse from Psalm this morning. We're reading from Psalm 94, verses 16 to 19. Who will rise up? For me against the wicked, who will take stand for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said, "My foot is slipping," your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Amen. Somebody say amen in this room this morning. Here we go. All right, let's sing together. Your kingdom forever will stand. 
Thank you. 
declare that your name is power, God. Your name is higher than any other name, God, that you are ruling in authority and grace and love, God. And we worship you here this morning. And all the saints said, amen. All right, well, if you are in grade six or under, now is your time to head on up to Kids Zone. So have a great time. Good morning, Green Belt. Pastor Kevin here. Sorry I can't be with you this morning. I'm out of town again for the next stage of my sabbatical leadership development. Uh, but I just want to welcome all of you here this morning. I'm really excited to have Ryan Lawrence, who serves as one of our elders, to be preaching this morning's message. Ryan's going to be continuing our series, Fortified Faith, looking at the letter of Second Peter. And I'm really excited for what he has to share today. I know you're going to be richly blessed by it. So I pray that God just will do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine through our time together here today. So we'll talk to you soon. God bless. Easter, it's always full. And it'll be the same thing at your church, I promise. It'll be full. It'll be full of people just like me. Full of people who haven't been to church in a while. Full of people who are afraid of being criticized or analyzed or judged unfairly. Full of people who don't have God in their lives and aren't really sure how to get Him back. But you know what? Before I step in, I need you. I need you to do something that's probably a big deal for you. You're going to see me this week. And I need you not to walk past me. I need you to work through your fear because I'm working through mine and and I need you to invite me in and if I act like I'm not interested in coming to church with you still I need you to ask me to come I need you to help me see God <laughs> I don't even know what that means I need you more than you know at the end of the day God said he loved me enough to die for me. I mean, that's the claim, right? And if he died, and he didn't stay dead, it's going to be full. Your church could be full this Easter of people just like me. People of different faces, different ages, different sex or social status. But make no mistake... I could be sitting right next to you. I just need you to invite me in. That's all. What a great bumper video, guys. What a great bumper video. 
That's perfect because we are talking about fortified faith. And this is the second week of this series where we are learning how to discern truth over lies. We are learning how to proclaim Christ risen. Not Christ dead, not Christ a fable, not Christ a fairy tale. Christ risen and Christ coming again. And that people need to know this message of hope. My name is Ryan Lawrence. I serve here as an elder, and I also serve as the young adults ministry leader alongside my wife. Uh, what, what to those young adults that are sitting in the crowd today, trying to be hip? I'm quickly realizing that I'm falling out of that category. <laughs> I was—I uh, don't want to get too long. I've got so many notes, but a quick story. I was at um, a fusion ministry weekend, and we were sitting around the fire, and all the good conversations happened at the, at the fire. And I was talking about work, and I said, yeah, and, you know, we were doing this, and, you know, this Windows XP thing was like, and they're like, pardon? Yeah, you know, you're like, you're interacting with Microsoft and XP, and you're creating this. What's Windows XP? (laughs) The operating system that changed and revolutionized the way the business world was conducted. You have no idea. Okay, all right, I can... Anyway, so, um, totally off track. So if you're uh, new here or you're still trying to find where your place is in this church, uh, like I said before, you can fill out a connection card or I can point you in the direction of Chris Hill, who is our service director. Is part of the three prongs that we uh, advise as well as encourage you to get involved in. One is being at church on Sundays to be part of the church family. The other is to be part of a life group where you can get more into your faith and dive into what it really means to follow Jesus in a supernatural way. Uh, every day of your life, and then finally being involved in service and to serve the church uh, in which you're a part of. So Chris Hill can help you get connected in that. Uh, and as Chris, uh, sorry, as Kevin mentioned, he's away this week. He's at uh, Crest Leadership Center, which is uh, something that's conducted over the course of two years, where he goes away for two weeks here and there uh, in order to be built up and refreshed in his face. So we uh, wish him all the best. Um, and as a result... Uh, You get some pretty cool speakers that get to come in and uh, cut their teeth on this kind of stuff. Thank you. Someone said woohoo. This is good. This is good. All right. Because what I'm more excited about is not that I'm speaking, but rather that God speaks through his people, through his church, amongst all of us. It's not my words that are going to change anything today. It is the work of God. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that flows and moves in each that are believers and those that aren't believers and haven't figured this out, I would love to talk to you about that. God moves in miraculous ways. And today I am honored to be in your midst. It's not something I take lightly. I handle the word of God very carefully and I recognize that this is a position where I get to speak what is true, what is God's word. And uh, my prayer is, is that I can do it honorably for you today. So I'll pray and then we will get started. God, thank you for being in this place that you promised that you are with us, that you don't leave us, that you fortify our faith. God, that you, that that no matter how far we run from you, that you are always there right behind us. Lord God, be with us today as we open your word. Help it to penetrate our hearts and soften us, Lord God. Help us to walk better in step with you um, as a result. I know we'll speak differently to each one of us, God. I pray that it would do just that, that we would see past anything that's holding us back, any baggage, any holdups. God, speak to us personally today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So for those that are on Facebook Live, welcome to uh, the service. We're a church that doesn't um, get nervous when people use their phones in the service. Feel free to follow along on the sermon notes on the app. Or in addition, feel free to post online what it is you're being moved by by God uh, in his word. Uh, So you don't need to feel like you need to hide your phone as you uh, do your little thing there as we go through the service. So we're in week two of this series entitled Fortified Faith, where we draw our readings from 2 Peter. Um, Now, who's Peter? Well, Peter was one of the 12 disciples. You'll remember that there were a number of followers of Jesus in his time, and he had 12 disciples that he selected. Of those 12, there were three that were part of his inner circle, namely Peter, John the Beloved, and James. Peter was one of those in Jesus' inner circle, his most trusted companions. Peter was a fisherman from Galilee. A fisherman, so blue-collared guy, probably rough hands, a little burly, maybe not well-spoken, maybe even vulgar. This is the man that Jesus chose to lead the disciples after he left. 
Peter was one of the first disciples called to Jesus, along with his brother Andrew, and Peter left everything to follow Jesus. This is before the miracles. This is before the talks of Jesus. Jesus said, come follow me, and Peter dropped everything and came. Everything. Now, he must have known something at that point. God must have moved miraculously in Peter's heart to let him know at that point that this man, this man was worth following. We also read shortly thereafter, though, that Peter was also the one that Jesus rebuked because Peter said to Jesus that he wasn't going to die on the cross the way that Christ needed to. Peter was probably one of the more outspoken, if not the most outspoken disciple, very colorful in character. But he was also the one that walked on water, right, when called by Jesus. And then he sank a little when he started to lose faith. As a final act before Jesus died, Peter denied Christ, not once, not twice, but three times. This is Peter. Up, down, up, down, up, down. Sound familiar? When Christ is alive, we see Peter stepping up into the call that he's given and then stepping out of the call and falling out of it. But he was a leader. So what's the difference? When Christ was risen and left and then the Holy Spirit descended at Pentecost, what changed? Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and enabled to lead the disciples, enabled to lead the ministry of Christ to what we see it uh, as today, moved by the Holy Spirit to do these things. Repent and be baptized, Peter said, in the name of Jesus for forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. This was Peter. Solid in his recognition of Jesus as Messiah, and yet still one that had sin and was separated from God in need of a Savior. So we're in one of his two letters that we have recorded in the New Testament, Second Peter, and it was written about 30-ish years after Peter's first encounter with Christ. We know it's likely written from Rome. We know likely that Peter is uh, about to be um, executed, very likely, just by the way that the letter is written. It has in it the uh, typical items you would see in a letter that's being written by someone who's kind of writing his last will and testament. And we don't know who exactly he's writing it to. We don't know exactly the audience, but we do know that they know him. And they also know Paul, and they also know the work of Christ, and they also know the work of Peter and Paul. So we know a little bit about that, but in general, it's more of a general letter to the church. And Peter expected it to, be, um, to continue past his death. And the main purpose, well, there's a few purposes, but the main purpose of this letter is to speak against false teachers. False teachers, people that would twist and take away from what Jesus and years is a long time. Kevin mentioned that last week. 30 to 40 years is a long time after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven to that point that the letter was written 30 to 40 years, give or take, and people started to fall away and say, mm, he's not coming back. It's time to get back to the lifestyle we left from, to eat, drink, and be merry, and just forget what it is that we were saved from. All the stuff we saw, the miracles, the testimony, yeah, whatever, we'll just push that to the side because Jesus ain't coming back. But that's the next installment of the series for next week. What we're working with today is the continuation of the introduction to that point, the second part of chapter 1, to encourage the readers of Peter's letter. Last week we recalled that he asked us the question, what would we do if Jesus came back today? And he stopped because built up in the knowledge Today is what fortifies your faith. Do you doubt your faith? And are there days when your faith is weak? Think on that for a moment. Because when, when was the last time you were joyful? Really joyful. Maybe that's today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Maybe it's been a while. Because there are days that I just wish I could box that joy from the grocery store every time I needed it. Just add it to the list, honey, because, man, we need a box of joy right now. Or to be my own little pharmacy dispensary, dispensing it whenever I need it, because um, there's days that I'm down. 
Particularly, I found lately as I pursue a postgraduate degree, I find that deadlines are just crushing me lately, and, and my wife will testify to this, um, that deadlines really cause me to mush between what I know to be true and what I feel to be true. They're particularly taxing, and I feel a heaviness. And in, in addition, there's just been a heaviness in our home that we've been fighting against. And it's just, I know those days. And we all have our pressures. You all have pressures and circumstances, and it just makes you come to a point where you say, Lord, where are you? Because this habit, this feeling can bleed into how we feel about our faith. What we feel circumstantially has a habit, pretty bad habit, of bleeding into what we feel about our faith. We doubt who we are. We doubt how we were changed. Our faith feels weak and a struggle. The truth is real. We know it. But dear friends, there are seasons when that truth just seems like it's not penetrating. And I know in those times that I need to be on guard. I need to be on guard for what would come against me. Like a prowling lion in the, in the reeds, what Peter says further on. We'll get to that later. Satan is ready counts upon the time that I'm feeling weak or my feelings are off and I need to be on guard against what he would try and do in my life. I need Jesus. I need him to fill the void that I feel because the promise that we hold to is that we need to offer our poor best and God richly blesses. So let your faith be fortified today by what Peter writes. I pray that God would stir in you a new sense of what is fresh, of what God is doing in your life, that you would see beyond your own circumstances and see out instead of just in. See out to what God is doing and how he would use you and not just into what we are struggling with and into what we are frustrated with. God has a plan that's bigger than me. He's got a plan for his people beyond me. So I ask that you turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. If you're on an online device, that's okay. As I mentioned before, feel free to flip to 2 Peter. If you're in a um, standard paper Bible, start from the back, go past Revelation and the epistles of John, and you'll find yourself landing in 2 Peter. Starting at verse 12, chapter 1. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it right to refresh your memory as I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, that's another name for God, saying, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy has never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter continues to encourage his readers before he dives into the discussion about false prophets. What was started last week continues this week. I'm kind of a, in a shoulder text right now. There's a little bit of encouragement, and then there's a big message to come, and I'm stuck in the middle right now today. And he's encouraging and continuing uh, to encourage his readers and stirring them up um, as he prepares them for what's next. And the big idea that I want to leave you with is that when you're in doubt... And when your faith is weak, it's Jesus and his church that fortify your faith. It's Jesus and his church that fortified your faith. It's not an individual activity. It's not, I can, I can make this work. Okay, we can do this. Go, go, go. Pick me. There's a, I won't go into a YouTube video, a little girl standing in the mirror. I can do this. I'm awesome. Anyway, we don't need to do it ourselves. It is Jesus and the church that fortify our faith. And we're family here. It's a family endeavor in his big C church. 
So the first thing that Peter is arriving at in this scripture is that he is stirring a reminder or stirring a remembering in one another. At verse 12 we read, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. So we start with the word so, and I get really excited when we start with therefores and so's and becauses, because it implies a whole lot that just happened. So we start with so. So I will always remind you of these things, referring to everything that was covered in verses 1 to 11. Because we are given a godly life, because we are given the great promises to participate in God's divine nature, because we have escaped death, and because we are called to live a virtuous life and to be effective, productive, not unproductive lives for the kingdom of God because, because, why do we do these things? Not for salvation. We do these things because we are saved and we await a rich welcome into heaven. Peter says, he will always remind us of these things. And that makes sense. He will always do this. He's pressing in and continuing to live in such a way to, uh, that reflects what we've received. So we start with so bringing back and reminding everything that's already been talked about. So I will always remind you of these things. Reminding is not a passive action here. Reminding is not writing it on your list of groceries to be ticked off once you've achieved it. It's not a passing reminder as someone goes by. It's not something you put on your fancy-dancy electronic device after which you've ticked it off and feel super awesome because you've been productive that day. It's not passive. It's active. I will remind you of these things. The way the word is interpreted as well is more of a arousing a remembering, a stirring of one another up, bringing people a refreshment and excitement of what it is that they know, a reminding. One commentary says that the readers were meant to, quote, bring to mind these things in a way that informed their entire being, their intellect, their will, their emotions, and their behavior. It's not a passive action. Peter knows this, and he's pressing into his readers saying, I am actively reminding you. I'm actively engaged in what it is you are and how I care about you. Because Peter knows how easy it is to get pressed into the form factor of the world, to live in a way that is gray. Not black, not white, to live in a way that's gray. To fit in, to fill into the background and fade away. Peter knows how quickly that we can do this. And we read in Romans 12:2, a letter from Paul, a warning against this very notion. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you would be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Peter is not sitting on the sidelines, and he's committed to being active in his followers' lives. It's also worthwhile noting that he does this he does this even though his followers know this. Even though his followers are aware of this truth. Like many of you, the readers are established in their faith. They've come to know of a knowledge of Christ. They know who Jesus is, but even though they know it, Peter doesn't care. He doesn't care. He continues to write this letter. He's gonna meet them and actively remind them. In verse 13, he says, and you can hear the love, but maybe tongue-in-cheek in in his mouth, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. I think it's right to continue to stir you up and remind you of the saving grace of Jesus Christ to bring refreshing to your minds, to bring refreshing to your bodies, to bring refreshing to your souls of the love of Jesus Christ. I think it right and good and necessary, even though you're established in your faith. It's almost as if he's saying to his readers, don't get all self-righteous, or think that you know it all already. It's good to be reminded of these things, to be stirred up in your faith. Peter's actively involved in the life of the followers of Jesus. And I need reminding like this. Do you? I need reminding like this. When do you need the words of Jesus most to remind you that in the midst of your struggle, you are more than that struggle? You are more than the fear that would grip you, the struggle that would pull you down, or the sin that you think is impenetrable. When do you need to hear the reminding of Christ? 
Peter carries on, and he does so, and he talks about that he's going to do this as long as he's in the tent of this body. Now, there's richness in the word tent that we don't have time to get into. If you want to geek out on it, please feel free. It's pretty awesome. Um, But the idea that he's going to die soon doesn't slow him down. Now, this is kind of remarkable. I I want to just think on this for a minute. He's he's not slowing down in the midst of this. He's got to be... 70s, and, and this isn't like this isn't a matter of uh, highlighting his age. It's a matter of he hasn't slowed down at all since he started following Christ. He continues pressing on, even though he's a awaiting death, b retirement age, and c probably been oppressed by a billion and a half people. That's an exaggeration, but you get my point. And it gives us encouragement. He's not signing up for the cruises and shuffleboard retirement plan. Now, okay, I have nothing against cruises and shuffleboard. You're welcome to be blessed and enjoy them. I'm sure there's a, you know, a cruise mission plan that you can get on and go save people for Jesus on cruises. Um, that would be awesome. But it's the heart behind it all. Why would I aim for retirement? Why am I working so hard in life just to reach a certain area where I have a guaranteed income, at which point I can, what, relax? For who? Me? Because what? I deserve it? wait a second, is this the right heart? Are we continually and always on mission for Jesus? As Peter is here and demonstrating. There's a phrase I think Kevin uses, if you're not dead, you're not done. This life is but a very short period of time in the midst of eternity. It's a gift. And I want to squeeze every last drop out of it. Each one of us is not so young. If we have life, we have purpose. And the purpose is not for us. If you've read the book, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, his opening chapter, opening line, I love it. It says, quote, it's end quote. Can you imagine being a non-believer or someone who doesn't know Jesus reading that? Like, what? It's not about me? Because everything in this world makes us want to believe that it's about me, not about me. But you say to me, what if I don't have anything to share? I see what you're saying. How he's just you know, pressing in and how he's encouraging his, his readers and his, uh, the people that follow him. But what if I don't have anything to say? Well, let me correct you. That's simply not true. If you've been changed by Jesus, if you've been saved by Jesus, then you have something to say. You have been given new identity and you are a new creation in Christ. And that, my friends, is enough. You don't need to conjure up good phrases or good ideas. All you need is to proclaim Christ. Those who are wise in the faith, especially as our younger generation cuts their teeth on what it is to follow Jesus, they're answering questions or faced with questions to do with relationships, to do with marriage and sex and gender identity, career and purpose and importance and value of faith. They need to hear that this is more than just a fairy tale. It is more than just what their parents told them growing up that they need to adhere to in order to have a perfect life. They need to hear from all of us who are established in faith what it is that drives us. Why do we follow Jesus? Oh, I've got nothing to say. Baloney. You know Jesus. I was going to say something other than baloney, but that's not allowed on Facebook Live. They tend to turn off the video feed. It's not some fairy tale. Because all of us, all of us hunger for these truths to know them, but we hide it really well that we think we don't need to hear them. We need to hear them. And we all have seasons of struggle in our faith that would cause us to fall into and bleed into the point that we would question or doubt our faith. And we have a hard time remembering what it is to be alive in Christ. So when do you need to be stirred up? Because we're not meant to be staying in those places of weight, weighted down or frustration. We're not meant to fear. We're not meant to hold shame. We're not meant to hold shame. Even in the midst of this church, when we hold shame, I couldn't possibly talk to someone about that here. Well, gracious, if we can't talk about it here, then where could we talk about it? Where can I reach out to someone who loves me and cares for me and actually would pray for me and give a rip about things changing in my life? So how do you need to be stirred up today? In Hebrews chapter 10, and this just goes on to press this even further. If you say to me, Ryan, this is just one reference in text from Second Peter, whatever, I'm not going to follow it. Okay, Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider how we may what? Spur each other onward toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together 
as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more when, until you see the day approaching. That's when Christ comes again. So we spur one another on. We pray for one another when life doesn't make sense, when we can't conjure up a good answer for what's happening. You don't have to have one. Sometimes you just need to sit and pray and wait for Jesus to speak because we don't have to have the answers. We pray for the work of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit to enter our lives. And we can do that silently. We can do that actively. We just need to do it in the presence of God until death takes us from the short life into the glorious next. So are you ready to enter in? Are you ready to press into all of this? Because if you ask me how do I do it, I would say to you that is exactly the wrong question. Instead, you are told to go. The Lord provides the words that you need, so don't ask me how I do it. Instead, ask with whom do I need to do it? With whom do I need to encourage and press and stir and build up? Because you don't need good words, as I mentioned before. At its core, you need to offer only Jesus. So you have the truth to offer. Who needs to hear it this week from you? How are we doing for time? Pretty good. The second idea that Peter puts forward here is to proclaim your eyewitness and let it be heard. To proclaim your eyewitness. So he's talked about the truths that we know, the truths that Jesus Christ has given us. And his second notion is that, okay, you have the truth. Now it's your eyewitness. Let it be heard. In verse 16, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. So I have a question. What stories do we choose to believe? What Hashtag fake news, do we allow to take root in us as truth? Fake news is defined as the stories that are provably false, but have enormous traction in our culture because they are consumed by millions of people. What stories about ourselves, about others, work, our friends, our children, our marriages, what stories do we allow to take root about God in our hearts? What do we believe that's hashtag fake news? And how do we filter out what is truth and what is not? And one of my more recent courses during my MBA, uh, it's marketing. What just it was marketing. And before I lose you all when you say all oh, marketing, just the evils of marketing. Yeah, I, I get it, I get it. But let, let's talk about the purest sense first. The purest sense of marketing is that it seeks to discover the needs and wants of prospective customers and to satisfy them. It's not hucksterism. It's not about selling unwanted things to take the money of customers, nor is it nor is marketing about manipulating, fooling, or tricking the customer. Okay, so it's in the textbook. <laughs> and while this may be the definition we find there, I, for one, I know that I'm bombarded with constant messages of what I need to buy to be fulfilled, to find happiness. There's an important side of marketing that is, that is necessary. We need to be able to identify to people what it is that they're missing, arguably, in life or otherwise. And you're not really missing anything. I, I said that incorrectly. Marketing is a good means of which to project what it is that you are selling, that people can purchase that. But it is not a matter of unethical portrayal of what you need in order to be satisfied. I don't need this to be uh, fulfilled or to survive or to achieve a level of prosperity. One of my favorite commercials is the Axe commercials where these guys just spray themselves down with this aerosol can of, of, uh, of deodorant or antiperspirant and all of a sudden the girls just flock to them. Um, like this is nuts. Like, <laughs> but this is marketing, right? And, but it takes root. It pulls the heartstrings of a guy who's insecure of a guy who needs or wants to be loved, and therefore, you know, he might, he might kind of jocularly say, oh, whatever, you know, I'm this kind of guy, and blah, blah, blah. But secretly at night in home, at home when he's in bed, he's insecure, and he's wondering, how do I get people to like me? Maybe I'm going to get some acts. <laughs> we don't need these things. But marketing is funny, because there was one of those things where I was talking to Jasmine and saying, man, I cannot believe what some of these courses talk about, because economics, that was another course I took, uh, was about the uh, measurement, I can't remember, it doesn't matter. The point was that it was talking about fulfilling people's wants and desires, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe all of this, and then one followed after that. So, in other fake news, um, you hear very frequently daily conversations that people have, and they could be about their marriages or their children, and what do we hear? 
complaining, putting down, bad-mouthing, bad-talking to their co-workers, to their friends, where children are called brats and they're labeled and itemized and they're suppressed from the joy that they are, from the humans that they are, from the identity that they have in Jesus Christ. They are pushed down by the fake news that we choose to believe or that we use to verbalize to fit in. Other conversations we hear about, you know, things that come up on Facebook. If I send this to 10 people, I'm going to receive blessing from heaven. Other fake news. Things about, you know, our faith that we kind of put together. You know, I've got to take a little bit of that. I'm going to cut a little bit out of that one. I'm going to put this. And together, this is my faith that makes me whole. Fake news. It's like cutting out and skipping parts of the Bible that we don't like. So what stories do we choose to believe? What I witness of people are, is trying to be portrayed or projected onto you that we choose to believe. And what do I place my trust in if it's not Jesus? At the time of Peter, when he wrote, there were many such false stories and fake news about Jesus that was coming to light. Things that people were choosing to believe that were not true about Jesus because he hadn't returned yet. And they were coming up with all sorts of different ideas. They didn't deny necessarily the word of God, but they were just denying the fact that Jesus was coming again. And so these false witnesses came up, these twisters of stories, these twisters uh, of lies, and those that would want to swindle and pull people away from the faith that they've been given. Peter's saying, we did not come to you with cleverly devised stories. We didn't come to you with them. We came to you with the eyewitness of his majesty and the kingdom of God. It's important to notice here as well that he switches between two pronouns. Earlier, he talked with the pronoun I, and now he's talking with the pronoun we. Initially, I will remind you, I think it's refreshing, I will make every effort, and now it's we did not follow. We told you, and we were eyewitnesses. Hear me, he says. Hear the truth. Don't believe the fake news. And if you don't, if you don't believe me, remember that it was we that saw Jesus in all his glory. We, re- we read in verse 17 that it was Peter, John, and James who were eyewitnesses, or rather we, we see in it, and I'll get there in a minute, um, that they were the ones that saw God in the moment of transfiguration, Jesus in the moment of transfiguration, and we can read about that in three of the four Gospels. I realize I'm bouncing around. I will come back to this, I promise. In Matthew chapter 17 it says... After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brothers of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And there he, Jesus, was transfigured before them. What does that mean? Well, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And just then appeared them before before them uh, Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three t- shelters or tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I... I got into, like, really deep voice. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell down on the ground, terrified. Peter, James, and John were not only eyewitnesses, but earwitnesses as well to the transfiguration. Peter is calling on his readers to be encouraged by his eyewitness testimony to push aside the fake news that they're believing because he, amongst the other two inner circle disciples, were witness to the glory of God. But it's more than that. It's, it's, more, it's more than just seeing the glory of God. And I'm going to get there in just a minute. But he's, he's exhorting his readers He's saying it's not just a children's story. You can believe us. We were eyewitnesses to it all. Don't follow the false messages that people are conjuring up. Because if it's, if it's not enough for you to know that I've seen it, that we've seen it together as this inner three of disciples, and we've seen the glory of God, and it's, you know, he's coming again. It's not just a false story that we know. And what is the transfiguration? Okay, so yes, we saw Jesus in his glory, Peter did, but he saw what is argued as the second coming of Christ, the initial, like a pre, a precursor or a foreshadow to the second coming of Christ. So what, what um, uh, theologians would say is that this is something called, if you want to geek out on words, it's called the perusia, the second coming of Christ, or initial view of the second coming of Christ. And what it tells us about in Revelation is that Jesus will come in full glory, bringing with him the kingdom of God. And what Peter saw was a precursor to that. 
And that's direct fulfillment of prophecy that had happened just prior, where Jesus proclaimed before the transfiguration, proclaimed, there are a few of you who will not leave this world until you've seen the kingdom of God. Enter transfiguration, Jesus in full glory. These disciples have seen what will come as the kingdom of God. And Peter is exhorting the readers of his letter to believe it. Don't fall away from it. Jesus will come again in power. He is no myth. He's not fake news. He's not a fable. But here's the best part. The confidence we find in this is not only because of eyewitness that is told to us, but there is eyewitness written in the heart of every believer. We are all eyewitnesses to the work of God. The Bible tells us, as a starter, that no one comes to know Jesus but by the prompting of the Father. And we are told that the Bible is a good gift, uh, that no good gift comes from anyone but God. And we are told that the fruit of the Spirit testify to the work of God here on earth. And this is good news, because this makes each one of us who know Christ an eyewitness to his work here on this earth, to the beginnings of the kingdom of God, the here and now. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And that kingdom starts here, with the eyewitness testimony that we have all experienced when we come to know Christ. You may think your story isn't particularly miraculous. Well, mine isn't either, but, or at least you would potentially uh, think it isn't. Um, I was in the middle of a cafeteria, and at some point I said, you know, I need to figure all of this stuff out. I had had history with Christian faith, but I was, like, so confused. And I sat down in the cafeteria with a book on world religions. I said, okay, we're going to figure this out. Page one. That doesn't make sense. Page two. That doesn't make sense. God met me through logic. God met me as I read through this and understood what it was to follow Christ from a world religions textbook. God met me that day, or that week rather. And I was and continue to be an eyewitness for the work of God and what he's doing in my life. And so you may think that your testimony or what God did in your life isn't particularly miraculous, but I would correct you and say that your coming to know the Lord is a bloody miracle. By the blood of Christ, you have been made new because of what Christ has done in your life. And you are eyewitnesses to all of that, like a light shining in that dark place until Christ comes again. You've heard the phrase, maybe, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Well, this quote is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, but first, there's no record he actually said it. There's a record he said a few other things, but they have much more nuance to them than that. And second, it's not true. Uh, we cannot, nor does Jesus allow us to live just lives that are comfortably, without speaking, proclaiming Jesus. And all that he's teaching us and how he's changed us. The Great Commission doesn't allow us to sit back and live a comfortable life just because we're afraid of speaking up. Conversations about Jesus can be just as frequent as those of sports, of those of weather, and those of family. So what holds us back from that? And, and I say this to myself as well. I was at swimming lessons with Azariah yesterday, and I was talking with a gentleman. His name is Osmond. And we started talking, and at the end of the conversation, he said, Wow, Ryan, you and your wife seem like good people. It's like, bingo, entry plan. And I didn't say a word. I had prayed beforehand, God, I, I, just, I hope I have an illustration I can use tomorrow uh, during the sermon. <laughs> so I have some homework to do, because uh, uh, we'll be at swimming lessons next week. And I pray for him, uh, for the opportunity for him to, to hear Christ risen. Because the question I ask myself is that when someone sees us, do they see and hear Jesus, or just another person blending into the crowd? We have eyewitness account. Who needs to hear what Jesus has done in your life this week? Proclaim it and let it be heard. Finally, Peter gets into, okay, if you don't believe what it is that is the truth of Christ, if you're having a hard time with that, if you don't believe our eyewitness, then let the word of God ground you. Let the word of God ground you. In verse 20, he says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. 
For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This book we have, the inspired word of God. Not just a book to be read. God's word remains true today, is useful today. We read in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This text and the one from 2 Peter are two key texts that help us understand that this is an inspired word of God by the signature of the Holy Spirit. It's God-breathed. Peter says it was carried along by the Holy Spirit as the writers and the authors wrote it. It's not misrepresented. It's not incorrect. It is inerrant. Peter says if you lack, if you come to your end, if nothing seems to help, be driven to the word of God. Be driven by the prophecy that he's given us. This whole word is meant for us that we know God. It's like a looking glass into who God is. But more importantly, who we are in God's story, in his story, from Genesis to Revelation. This story is meant to be interacted with. This word is meant to be interacted with. When I open my scripture, it isn't, okay, I'm going to read through this and tick things off the box. It's Holy Spirit inspired signature. Holy Spirit lives in me. It's almost like in a moment when I feel overpowered by the word of God, he's saying to me, Brian, I wrote this for you. You need to hear it today. There's an interaction that happens here because of who wrote it, but also who lives in us. And people wrestle with parts of this, and, and I get that. And so more and more I am, and the more and more I read this word, the more and more I am just moved by the power of God through it, two tears at times, awkwardly on the bus at times. God moves in miraculous ways, which is why I have such a heart to see people read this and know it and come to know the Lord through it more. And that's why Peter drives back to it. He says, apart from all the truth you're hearing, apart from all the eyewitnesses, if you struggle, remember the prophecy of God. Remember that the Holy Spirit wrote this through people and it grounds you. And we cannot plumb the depths of this to their very... The word is full and active and alive. So Peter closes his section of his letter with encouragement by drawing his readers back to the core of the promise, the hope that they were given while Jesus lived on the earth and the joy they've received. And he actively puts them into a state of reminding, stirring them of faith. He fortifies them with the eyewitness of the glorious second coming of Christ, his majesty, and then affirms them in the inspiration of scripture that grounds them. So what do you know that needs, or rather, who do you know that needs stirring today? Who, do you, who needs to hear your eyewitness account? And how is the word of God grounding you? Let's pray. Lord God, we are so thankful for your word. Father, you wrap us up in your arms and teach us with new things every day. You teach us with, with good truths, with eyewitness. You teach us with the word of God, with your word, God. God, I pray that you would move in us, that these wouldn't just be good lessons to put into our box of tools and never pull them out again, but God, that you would move us and bring to mind people that need to hear these truths. Like the bumper video that we saw earlier, God, that you would inspire us to move and preach and proclaim the name of Jesus for those that need to hear it, particularly as Easter comes. Help us to decipher between truth and lie. Help us to know what it is that fortifies our faith and when we're weak and when we're struggling, what our core is. God, you move in us. Spirit, you move in us. And we are so thankful. God, thank you for your truth and thank you for what you've shown us today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. Amazing. Um, at this point, we are going to continue our worship together as uh, as we take up an offering. Uh, um, just as um, 
an extension of something that God has given us. So we just we give a portion of what we have back to God. So I'm just going to pray for the offering, and then we're going to sing together one more time before we all go. So God, we uh, we thank you for the abundance that you've blessed us with. Um, God, we pray that you would take this offering um, and that you would multiply it, God, that you would use it to further your kingdom, God, that you would use it for your good and for your glory, God, and to make yourself known. Uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. So why don't we all stand and let's sing together. Our God, He lives forever. 